on today's Encore presentation of Compassion Radio. Can you describe what your family's been facing the past couple of days? Mm, I came back home from being at the front lines and the first couple of days just was trying to relax and be with my family. And then last night, Russia launched 86 rockets. I'm talking full-size, like six-meter-long rockets. Uh, Some people were killed and many people were hurt. And we heard all the explosions. It was intense. From the front lines to where you live, this is the Daily Radio Journal of God's Kingdom on the Move. We're Compassion Radio. For a follower of Christ, what does it mean to lay down your life for your friends? Well, the way Jesus described it and demonstrated, it is, first of all, a choice. And laying down your life doesn't necessarily mean that your life on this planet is going to be over soon. But it could. And today's guest literally knows what the cost of sacrifice could mean for him, his family, his church, and his nation. In the midst of an unrelenting battle, is there any rest for the weary? If so, could you even describe it for those far away from the thunder of war? Well, we'll give it a try today and tomorrow, because we believe that it's vitally important to prepare our hearts for what the price of love means, and take the right kinds of risks in loving others in their hour of need. Thanks for joining us today. Uh, friends, we have an opportunity now to speak with a friend of ours we have not been able to talk to directly for a very long time because of the work he's been doing for the Lord and for his country, and that is Oleg Magdich from Ukraine. Oleg, welcome back to Compassion Radio. Thank you. Thank you for having me again. We speak on a morning where overnight you had barrages of missiles coming in on your country from Russia. They're quite upset with some of the successes you've had on the battlefield and in stopping assaults on your country. I don't want to make this program just about the military issues or nationality questions. I do want to talk about the spiritual things that God's doing in your life right now. But I do need to ask you, Oleg, can you describe what you personally have been going through, what your family's been facing the past couple of days? Mm, the last couple of days were um, different. I mean, I came back home from being at the front lines, and the first couple of days just was trying to relax and be with my family and we had some fun. And then last night, Russia launched 86 rockets. And I'm talking full-size, like six-meter-long rockets uh, into Ukraine. And some people were killed, and many people were hurt. And we heard all the explosions. It was intense. Yes. It wasn't as intense as it is at the front lines for me, but for my family, it was very intense. And you are back in the central part of the country now where your home is, and I won't get any more specific than that. You've been spending a lot of time away from your family this past year, and of course we thought much of you on the first anniversary of the invasion because I thought back to the conversation you and I had that very first day. You were on your way to bring relief to churches and those who were actually taking care of widows and orphans along the front lines of the old demarcation line between Donetsk, Luhansk, and the rest of Ukraine. And suddenly you were caught in the first barrage of missiles coming down. And that moment changed everything for you. You've been talking about this moment coming, and just you felt in your soul it was coming. For years, you believed this. And now it was fully on you. And the past year, you've pivoted, I understand, from helping people get ready for defending their families and homes 
but as a pastor, figuring out what is it going to mean for you to minister and save lives, not just train people how to kill. And that's a difficult place for anybody who serves the Lord to be in, knowing that it may be required of you for your nation's sake to be willing to defend with weapons, if necessary, your own family. And yet your heart is to save and to bring gospel light to people who need it desperately. How did God prepare for you a way that wasn't just about the fighting, but was about the saving? Tell me about the job you're doing now. Well, at the moment, I am one of the many volunteers that are working along the front line doing medical evacuation of the wounded soldiers. I have a team of four people, four guys. We've been through many different things in in the past year. We decided that at this moment, at this point of this war, we have to do something in order to save lives. Yes. I made the decision after I was wounded twice, and there was no one to evacuate me from the battlefield. Mm-hmm. After that, I decided that I want to do something in order to um, bring hope to those wounded soldiers. And that's what we are doing at the moment. Um, we were evacuating soldiers from the trenches to the stabilization points and then from from there to the hospitals. So functioning much like a medical evacuation unit in the military, but also what the Red Cross is often called to do in many conflicts when there is no infrastructure, you are in that position. So you have a lot on your shoulders and you're an independent team, but you're also affiliated with the country. They know what you're doing. You're not like doing this independently, but they don't know about you. Mm-hmm. But you are also having to find funding. You are raising your own funding to buy the equipment you need, including vehicles to be transformed into medical evacuation hospitals on wheels and ambulances. How is that part of the uh, project going? Are you having to spend most of your time just raising money, or are you focusing primarily just being with your men on the front? Well, actually, I'm not spending any time raising money, mm. doing some videos on Facebook, asking people to donate to this particular charity that we work with. Uh, my friends has organized that charity, and they're helping us collecting the money and buying stuff, buying medicine, buying cars, and bring them into Ukraine. So, uh, yeah, we have to fundraise because we are a volunteer battalion. There are a lot of guys like me, won't tell you the numbers, but... At this very moment, we have more than 40 different crews mm. working the front line. All of us are volunteers. Uh, we do have a structure. It's like a military structure. We do have a commander of the battalion. and Still, we get nothing from the government. So we exist on donations, basically. Okay. Well, we're going to be part of that. We were looking forward to helping you get a new ambulance vehicle because the one you were showing us in the videos was a compact SUV where the wounded would literally have to gather their knees up inside the back just to fit. The people that were attending to them or defending them in the middle rows had to get out of their gear in order to get into the vehicle and then put their gear back on when they're inside. It was that small. So God did provide almost immediately a large forward excursion from Finland, which I understand just arrived recently in Ukraine. It's been authorized to be used for this purpose. How is the project of outfitting this vehicle for the front lines working out? Well, at the moment, tomorrow, the day after tomorrow, we're going to paint it into camouflage Mm -hmm. and we're going to start working on preparing the inside of the vehicle for the wounded soldiers transportation it would require doing some flooring and and, uh, putting some equipment into it okay and you have to reinforce the vehicle some too to provide some protection for those as they travel unfortunately not okay so you're traveling in the prayer envelope then huh yeah 
Okay. So you have a new vehicle there with diesel. If you don't mind me asking now, the cost of equipment is one thing, but the cost of keeping them on the road is quite another. How much is fuel costing you now? Mm, at the moment, it's about $1.4. So $1.4 per liter, which puts it at about um, $5, $6 a gallon in U.S., which really isn't outrageous considering we're almost paying that for diesel in America right now as well, and not least because of the problems with the world supply chains mm-hmm. affecting us as well. But it doesn't mm-hmm. seem outrageous. Yeah, the price went down in the last 30 days. It was almost twice as that. Wow. What do you think is contributing to that change? Are you getting more help from other nations that are sending you more supplies of fuel? Uh, I think so. Honestly, I'm not following, but yeah. I know that we had a shortage of fuel. Uh, there was no fuel at the gas stations and huge lines, but now there isn't. The question this week, of course, is whether or not you have electricity to get the pumps to work. There is always some logistical issue at foot here. Uh, how long is the drive from the capital out to the front lines, and how much fuel do you have to use to go each way? It depends where we go to. Mm-hmm. Uh, the last couple of rotations, we, we went down south. It's about six or 700 kilometers. Okay, it's about 400 miles. Yeah. With this new vehicle, it's going to cost us more because... Mm-hmm big engine, big, big boy. Uh, So uh, I don't know how much it would cost. The good thing, when we are there, there is no problem with the fuel because you can get diesel from any tank. Hmm. And I imagine you salvage what you can when you find opportunities. I want to jump to something that just kind of flashed by in your feed to those who follow you closely. You mentioned that you're always worried on one level about your own people, your own team. I guess you would call yourself a platoon or or something of that similar size that you travel with on any given day. But there are many others like you that serve out there. And there was a young 25-year-old girl that you just in passing mentioned and that she was no longer with you, doing the same job you're doing every day. Tell me a little bit about her and her team, and then tell me more about your people. Some time ago, me and my crew, um, we went to work at the hottest spot of this war, at the city called Bakhmut. Mm-hmm. That's where the main battle is still going on yes. at the moment. So we were working there, and this girl just appeared, and she was a volunteer as well. She just appeared at the stabilization point, and she was helping army doctors stabilize wounded soldiers, and she was taking care of them. So we met, and, and we spent some time working together. And then she went back home and she applied to join the army. She was back to Bakhmut officially, not as a volunteer. Mm-hmm. And she was working there doing what we were doing. Um, we left Bakhmut. We went to work at the other directions. And then a few days ago, I was informed that she and two other guys, they went to pick up wounded soldiers. They were doing KSEVAC which stands for casualty evacuation. That's we take soldiers from the very front lines. So they went to pick up wounded soldiers and Russians spotted their people and they fired mortars, a lot of them. And one of them killed this young lady. Can you mention her name? Yeah. Uh, Her name is Yana. Yana. I want to honor that sacrifice. You came very close, Oleg, on your own before you even started this unit to giving up your own life for the defense of your nation. God honored our prayers along the way that the injuries you suffered did not end your life or kick you off of duty. You survived for another day, but you've been very, very close, and you felt the hot terror of shrapnel hitting you. When that happens, 
not just to a soldier, but to a man, and to, in your case, a servant of God who has served in the church for years and years. What goes through your mind and heart and soul when you realize that this could be the price you pay for the love of your people? When I was wounded, we were on the mission, and the only thing that was on my mind at that time, how can I help my guys when I am not there with them? You know, I had to make a very, very difficult decision. I knew that if I proceed, if I go forward, if I try to stay with them, it would be a problem for them because mm. I was bleeding a lot. So I had to make a decision. I had to leave them there and I had to evacuate myself because mm. there was no one to help me. The only thing that I was thinking at that moment was the safety of my man. We'll be back with more from Oleg Magdich, direct from Ukraine, after this. If you've learned anything by now about what Compassion Radio is, hopefully you see a ministry that faithfully allows the kingdom around the world to tell their story, unvarnished, to us in the relative comforts that we enjoy. It's important that we hear the reality of the world and how the battles of this world are always spiritual in nature as well. Together we'll learn how we can pray and help them in their work of living out the Great Commandment and Great Commission. I hope you'll help us to keep bringing these stories to you each day. We've always been a 100% listener-supported ministry, and we count on your generosity and open hearts to respond any time that you are able. We need you, friends, and our family around the world needs us to know together what they're going through, so they're prayed for and supported. Thanks for loving the kingdom and this ministry with your tangible support. If you find any value in what we do, we need to hear from you today. The easiest way is through our website, CompassionRadio.com. You can also reach out through our toll-free order line, 1-800-868-2478. And please note our new mailing address, P.O. Box 77160, Corona, California, 92877. That's Box 77160, Corona, California, 92877. I had to evacuate myself because there was no one to help me. The only thing that I was thinking at that moment was the safety of my man. Because when I was hit with a shrapnel, my brother that was close to me, he was hit by that shrapnel and he died right there. And I I just couldn't imagine that happening to my other guys. So it was a very hard time for me. Um, the decision I made, it, it took me like three seconds to make that decision, but it, it was the longest three seconds in my life. An eternity right there. Yeah. It brings to mind that the scripture that says, laying down your life for your friends, that is the price of love, does not necessarily mean that you're going to die on the spot. Sometimes it means you're making a decision that's difficult so that they can live and you can too. So I think that decision, Oleg, that you made was definitely in the spirit of that scripture. So it also was a pivot that God used in your heart to say, I've got to do more for the thing I didn't have available to me to help me when I needed it. That may be a severe mercy, but it seems like it was kind of God's direction for you and put you on a path that he's using you to great effectiveness now. Describe the people that you work with now and how they ended up with you and what you see God doing there. Um, My crew is four people, including me. Three other guys, they've been with me from February of the last year. 
we went through battles together and we know each other well. We trust each other. I can turn my back and I know that they're going to protect me. They're young guys, younger than me, and two of them have medical experience. The other guy is the greatest mechanic and <laughs> driver. So we make a great team. Good. We do what we have to do. My job is to direct the team and to protect them. So, yeah. We don't know where we will end up. We don't know when this war will end. Yeah. But at this moment of the, of the time, we want to stick together and work together. Okay. Before I forget to ask this question, I want to make sure that you answer it before we're done. And that is, how do you want us, the church in the West, or at least outside the borders of Ukraine, how do you want us to be praying for you, your team, your ministry, and your country? Pray for our safety. That's it. For me, the life of my team is number one priority than doing the mission. So I, I'm always trying to think through the missions that we have to accomplish. And for me, the goal, number one, is to keep my guys alive. Yeah. So please pray for our safety. And I'll pray for your emotional health in the pursuit of that. Um, tough question to ask, perhaps, but I know you're capable of answering this because of your ministry experience. How do you keep your soul centered and alive and tapping into the power that is Christ in the midst of that kind of stress? It's hard. Sometimes I think it's almost impossible. Hmm. When I look back at some things that we went through, the things that were happening, I can clearly see God's hand. So when I am in the midst of something, when I feel like God is far away, when I'm afraid that God would not listen to my prayer, I always think about those moments when I, I'm looking back and I see him. Yeah. So I know that it's hard to see God's hand in the midst of the storm, but I guess my experience helps me to stick to him. Hmm. That's a fair statement, Oleg. And I'm not looking for anything that's a comfort to us in this, because I think what you're going through is anything but comfort, except that God has his hand on you. And I trust that he does, even through this excruciating time. And without a faith in a God that is aware of your current situation, who loves you where you are, and for some reason has allowed you to be present for this horror, you have been witness to and been present for the passing of friends that should not have died when they did. I pray you don't have many more of those. But if you do, just know that we're praying as a family that we'll be made aware of that by the Spirit so we can pray for you. Thank you. If it's not taking too much farther into a soul that probably deserves a little more rest than I'm giving it right now, could you tell me how you and Oksana are talking these days, the kind of things you're praying for? Because years ago, we all sat down together and we talked about the kind of stresses that led up to God saving your marriage by a thread and that the faith brought you back together and now you were rock solid with each other. But it was still a tough road. Now you're being stressed in all kinds of new ways, but you have that history you talk about. You've survived something that seemed impossible then and you're facing the impossible now. So describe for me how you and Oksana are dealing with this. Uh, it was hard in the beginning because we were not together. When the full-time invasion happened in the February of last year, I almost commanded Oksana to leave Kiev. I didn't want her to stay here because I knew that they will try to take over Kiev. We went to the Western Ukraine and she stayed there for a few months. We didn't see each other for many weeks. We talked on the phone because I wasn't able to use my phone. Mm -hmm. So it was hard because we were apart. 
But then she came back to Kyiv a few months ago, and I came home after six months of being at work for the first time, and we met. And we sat down and we talked. We decided that she would stay home and she would wait for me to come back every time I have an opportunity to mm-hmm. come back home or for a few days or for a week or so. It's still hard for her. I imagine. She's still struggling. Every time Russia launches the rockets, there's pain in her bones. Mm. She's learning to cope with that fear and that pain but at some point we talked and we decided that if russians would try to take over kiev again she would leave she wouldn't stay here i wouldn't let her if they occupy this part of the country she's busy i mean she travels a lot mm-hmm. uh work with families that lost somebody mm-hmm. someone in this war she's doing camping conferences and trainings and seminars and stuff like that so it, it keeps her busy i'll bet it does the rest of this important update from Oleg Magdich, all the way from Ukraine, is coming up next week, so I hope you'll tune in then. Did you give us freedom so we could do whatever we want? Did you shed your blood so we could abuse your grace for us? Is our liberty meant to be only for ourselves?
If you've learned anything by now about what Compassion Radio is, hopefully you see a ministry that faithfully allows the kingdom around the world to tell their story, unvarnished, to us in the relative comforts that we enjoy. It's important that we hear the reality of the world and how the battles of this world are always spiritual in nature as well. Together we'll learn how we can pray and help them in their work of living out the Great Commandment and Great Commission. I hope you'll help us to keep bringing these stories to you each day. We've always been a 100% listener-supported ministry, and we count on your generosity and open hearts to respond any time that you are able. We need you, friends, and our family around the world needs us to know together what they're going through, so they're prayed for and supported. Thanks for loving the kingdom and this ministry with your tangible support. Drop us a line through our website, CompassionRadio.com. You can also reach out through our toll-free order line, 1-800-868-2478. And please note our new mailing address, P.O. Box 77160, Corona, California, 92877. That's Box 77160, Corona, California, 92877. We'll see you tomorrow for an all-new Compassion Radio 360.